You're listening to Insights for Living with Pastor Boju Oyemade. Pastor Boju is the senior pastor of the Covenant Nation. All right, uh, this morning we want to continue our subject of um, teaching on embracing the present. Uh, the fact that, well, we talk about forget the past. In other words, what God has done in the past, uh, you don't um, evaluate yourself based on what has happened in the past. You quickly let go of the past. We say this and it's true. To enter into the future that God has ordained for you. But then a lot of times we live out how we are to handle the present or what is going on in our life at this particular moment. So you have people either living in the past or you have people that are living somewhere in the future and they are not living in the context of the reality of their lives at that particular moment. And it's important to understand how to embrace the present. Because what will determine your future are the things that you are saying today and the choices that you make today. And that's why Jesus was saying that, take no thought for your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, thinking about the future. He said, sufficient is the evil of today. In other words, deal with your lives in the now. And so I'm talking about embracing the present. And we looked at James chapter 3 and verse 4. It tells us, behold, also sheep." Though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet they are turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth, even so the tongue, verse 5, is a little member and boasteth great things. So here it compares the tongue. So the very small helm or rudder that was at the base of ships. And that whichever direction in which the governor or the captain of the ship wanted that ship to go, he will turn the helm or that rudder in the direction in which he wanted the ship to go and determine the destination of the ship. In fact, what the captain, the skill that he had was to understand uh, the nature or the direction of that fierce wind and then to leverage on it by turning the helm of the ship in a certain direction such that the wind will propel that ship to the predetermined place when they set out to sail. 
So they knew where they were going to. And so they used the energy that the wind all right, brought to propel them to that particular place. And James here, the apostle, is saying, that is the role that your tongue actually has among your members. It controls every other member in the body. It controls the body. And then it also will determine how the things, external things, will affect your life. That is, the way and manner in which you speak, or the words that you speak, will govern every member within your body, and then determine how external things will influence you as a person and uh, your destination. So first thing that we said, and you have to understand this, as a human being on this earth, you do not have control over the winds that blow the same way the captain of the ship has no control over the winds that will blow when he sets sail. But he has absolute control over the helm or the rudder in that ship. And that's what he needs to master in order to make use of the wind that is blowing to get him or the ship to his destination. In the same way, stop trying to control your environment. Control the words that you speak in response to what happens in your environment. In other words, you cannot control people's opinion about you. If they choose not to accept you and to reject you, there is nothing you can do about that. But what you have control over is your own response to that. The words that you speak in response to their rejection. And so you can say, according to God's word, the stones that the builders or the stone the builders rejected shall become the chief cornerstone. This shall be seen as the doing of the Lord in my life, and it's going to be glorious. So you can respond that way. Or you can respond according to that which the wind wants you to say. And say, look, I have been rejected, I'm defeated, going to a pity party and begin to speak negative words. Understand that death and life are not in the power of the circumstance, but death and life are in the power of your tongue. So learn to speak words that will react upon what is going on in the environment and push you and propel you to the place where God has ordained for you. And those words are, will be given to you by the Spirit of God. If Jesus said concerning the Holy Spirit, he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he hears, that shall he say. And that's the Holy Ghost. All right? A member of the Godhead. Then we also have got to understand that we can't just speak of our own selves. But whatever we hear, that is what we are to say. And he said the commandment will produce life eternal. So you don't control the environment that way. 
but you can control the outcome, personal outcomes, of whatever happens on the outside by responding with the right words as given to you by the Holy Spirit, all right, to say that will cause that wind to now push you in the direction and ultimately work for your good and bring you to the place that God has ordained. But never for one second allow the winds to control your tongue such that you start speaking words of death, you start speaking words of hopelessness, you start speaking words of discouragement, and you start speaking as though, you know, what has happened on the outside, you know, has now destroyed and, 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 and done that. And, and the culture somehow is becoming more and more negative by the day. In other words, what is happening is the prince of the power of the air, working predominantly through social media, is pushing a negative narrative such that, I mean, I dare you to do this, go on social media and speak positively, people will attack you. All right, go and start saying that it's going to be great for this country. This country, they will tell that, listen, listen now. Speak negatively and everybody starts retweeting. Tell them how bad things are, how everybody begins to retweet. But it's 15 minutes of fame that can bring 30 years of death. Be careful what you say in response to what is going on on the outside. Speak according to the dream that is in your heart. Speak according to the vision that is in your heart. And the point that we are making is that God in his divine intelligence, you have got to understand this about the sovereignty of God. That when Job, the Satan attacked Job, God saw it and allowed it. Every hair on your head is numbered. He will not allow one to drop without him authorizing it. Whatever happens in your circumstance or situation, the divine intelligence allowed it to happen, knowing that it will ultimately work for your own good, if you respond the way you ought to respond. That is, they will, will give you words to speak that will cause that thing to propel you to the place in which God has ordained. So law number one, understand you don't control your environment. It is deliverance. All right, because how do you know that people are being childish? They throw tantrums when things don't go their way. They begin to have deep mood swings and their attitude changes because things don't go their way. You say, why well, are you being childish? Maturity begins to come. You know you can't control, all right, the opinions of people. Decisions will not always go the way you want them to go. They will not always go according to your own will. But you understand that if you are patient, all right, if you are calm and, and, and you have the right attitude towards things, things will ultimately show up and work out in ways that you didn't even plan or write or think. Acts chapter 1 and verse 7 tells us that it is not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in his own power, but he will give you power. Next verse says, but you shall receive power. Focus on that. After the Holy Ghost has come upon you, the times and seasons are not in your own power, but you have received power to handle those times and seasons 
by the Spirit of God that has gained entrance into your heart. And he will give you what to say. He will show you how to respond, uh, all right, to things. So don't just, you know, flow with the negative and, and, you know, just want to be popular and all of that. All right, respond according to what God says and his dictate. I, I was listening to him and, and, and we have to start teaching this because the Bible says in the end times, perilous time shall come. So, so the truth about the Christian faith must be put out there. Where it talks about the Christian, you must endure hardness. Uh, where it talks about you are an athlete, there are things, you are in a warfare. And, and I was listening to a, a Nigerian preacher, or I was based, with, I, mean, I, mean, I was just following up, and he was doing an Instagram interview, and he's based in Ukraine. And he said something, and it struck me deep. All right, I mean, he was in, where he was in hiding, and he said, listen, I've been praying to God about this. And he said, now, according to what he said, he said, Ukraine is the nation in Europe, or the European, well, the nation in Europe that has the largest concentration of born-again, spirit-filled Christians in Europe, which means that if you are going to talk about any European country that is inclined towards the Pentecostal movement with people getting born again in large numbers and being filled with the Holy Spirit and not being ashamed about their faith and it's there, he said, is the nation Ukraine. Therefore, that's where you're going to have most of the type of that prayer that we offer up coming out there in Europe. So the question becomes, to the Ukrainians that are Christians there, why did this happen? Why are bombs going off on the houses all right, every night? Why is, this, why is this devastation going on? And he said, I stayed in prayer and I understood what he was saying. He said, now I can't say everything God showed me. All right, he said, because people are still going through it, experiencing pain, right? And therefore, it's difficult to come out with the mind of God at this particular point in time. He said, but well, I would just say an aspect of what God showed me. And when he said it, I said this scripture. He said, listen, because we had the largest concentration, and I think I know where he was going with what he was saying, a concentration of Christians in Europe, he said this devastation has caused Ukrainians now to move out of Ukraine as refugees into other European countries. He said, watch what is going to happen. This will lead to the spread of the gospel around Europe. And I said, this man is correct. And if you look at it, even though there's a fierce wind blowing, all right, just before I came, all right, around 4 a.m., I put on CNN, I, was, I just said, let me just hear something. And they were talking about the, the hospitality Europeans were showing to the refugees coming out of Ukraine, which means they were opening up their doors. So they were experiencing love in an unusual way, and it showed that God was moving in that thing. And so what he was saying, you are going to have clusters of these people all over Europe and market in 15 years' time large congregations filled with Caucasians. Now, it's Nigerians that have gone there that have been able to build large congregations, but those congregations are predominantly Nigerian congregations, all right? Or in some cases, you have. Because in order to save some people, you have to get people that culturally match them to save them. Now, that's just the way it works. Or else God wouldn't have come in flesh to save us. All right? So he came in flesh to save us that are in the flesh. 
So also, he will put a seed there, and so they're going into homes, they will start forming, it will start from home cells, it will start from these little clusters, as little seeds there, and those things will begin to grow, and they'll begin to develop, all right, until you start having large congregations. You say, well, the price is, is, is a lot. Well, well, but that's how things operate in the kingdom. You better be ready for the kingdom. Because when Jesus came into the earth, all right, what was the price? A lot of children were wiped out just trying to get to Jesus and to destroy that seed. So sometimes these things happen where the price seems to be much, all right, but what we're talking about is something uh, that is eternal. And how do I know this right? Because if we look at Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, uh, that God in his divine intelligence is doing more than how you feel about it. The Bible says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. Now Saul there was Paul, who later became Paul. And at that time, there was great persecution against the church that was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. So when they're scattering, well, let me just leave that, okay? But apostles don't run. Okay, verse 2. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial. So it led to the death of Stephen. And made great lamentation over him. Verse 3. And as for Saul, now this is Saul that became Paul, who was supervising the killings of Christians. So you can have somebody doing something today, but that's not how it's going to be in God's intelligence tomorrow. Do you get what I'm saying? You will have said this is a demonic, the worst man and all of that. He made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4. And it says, therefore they were scattered abroad and went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word of God. So these people, he said, are being scattered throughout Europe and they will be going into all those nations, all right, preaching the word and saving entire nations. So what we're saying is God in his divine intelligence knows more than you. And there is something that is going on. And whatever is going on in your presence is the vehicle to carry you to the place where God has ordained, all right, for you as a person. So how do you respond? You embrace that. How do you respond, all right, to it? You understand that this may be painful if it's adversive. Also, when it's prosperity, we'll talk about it. Right, but it's a vehicle. That's what Joseph said. You meant it for evil, but God was sending me out into him, fulfilling his prophetic word. So Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6, we'll read from 6 to 13. Verse 6, it therefore tells us, hold fast, all right, but Christ has a son over his own house, whose house we are. If we hold fast, our confidence. And rejoicing of the hope, firm unto the end. So he says, hold fast your confidence. Don't let go of it. When winds begin to blow, don't let go of your confidence. All right? Don't let it. Don't start saying that, all right, the change in the price of diesel has finished my business. Do you get what I'm saying here? I say it has finished. I mean, you're making categorical statements. Ah, there's some, something that a virtual fuel has finally, has finally, you know, you cut things short. Words of death. 
All right? Even if you can't speak positively, say, keep quiet. Just say, I give you thanks, Jesus. All right? That's enough. Okay? But it says, hold fast your confidence. Don't let go of the dream. Now, let me repeat the statement. Don't let go of your dream. Let me repeat the game. Everything is in the dream. Everything is in the hope. If there is no hope, there is no anchor to your soul. There is no Christian, uh, Christian faith again. The dream, the way God works in the New Testament, in Christianity, outside of the law, even before the law came, that's how he worked with men. He gives you a vision. He gives you a dream. Where there was no law, he will give you a dream and tell you, obey everything I teach you about the fulfillment of this dream, and people will work with God. He came to Moses, there was no law, he gave him a dream. He came to Abraham, there was no law, he gave him a dream. And the way he walks is he will give you a dream. The Bible says that without a vision, the people perish. That word perish means they go wild. They cast off restraint. They leave, as we'll say, anyhow. But once you have a dream, he that had this hope in himself purified himself even as he's pure. Give a young man a dream and a vision, and they will regulate their lives. They will show discipline. All right, in very, once you see somebody being careless about their lives, it means that they are losing focus. They don't, the dream is no longer there. Give a person, a young person, the dream of coming out to the first class. His best friends can be going to play and party. They will decide not to do it. They will make mature, solid decisions. That's the way God works with man. All right, you, the law wasn't given. The way he did it was give them a dream. Get somebody who wants a dream to win, all right, at the Olympics. Once he has that dream, he will regulate his diet. He will wake up on time. It will become an alarm in his system. He will get up at 3 a.m. The thing will wake him up. The dream will wake him up. The dream will govern everything he does. Give people a dream and tell them, regardless of what happens, hold on to your dream. So it says, hold fast to your confidence and rejoicing in that hope. All right, firm unto the end. Things are going to happen. The concept of holding fast is almost like this. A person, all right, God forbid, falls out of a ship. They throw a rope to that person. He holds on to that rope. He looks down. There are sharks all there waiting for the person. Hold fast to the rope. That's how he says, hold fast to your confidence. And hold fast to the rejoicing. No matter what happens, rejoice. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptation and trial. Take it that I don't understand what is going on, but this is a vehicle. This is a vehicle in God's divine intelligence to take me into the fulfillment of things. So it says, hold fast. Your confidence. Hope is a strategy. Hope is a weapon. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 8 tells us, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, this, this part of your spiritual armor, the hope of salvation. All right? Always have that dream. Always have that dream. Now, what? how many, many young people in this country are losing the dream? They are losing the hope, the picture of their future. All right? Because it was never dependent. It was dependent so long as God is on the throne. You have the throne of grace there where you can obtain mercy and find grace to help hold on to that dream. Now, what do you do after you hold on to it and you are rejoicing? Let's go to verse 7. It tells us what to do. It says, verse 7, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost saith, now this tells us about today, today, 
That's embrace today. This is what you have to do today. If you will hear his voice, what is he saying to you? If you are listening to him, he is saying this, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart towards me. If you are hearing the voice of the Spirit today, in the now, what he's telling you is, harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. In other words, he's saying, if you are hearing God's voice, don't close your heart from God because something happened and you got deeply disappointed about it. God is much deeper than you as a person. His intelligence is at work in your own life. When you have experiences that will be painful to you in the fulfillment and the unfolding of God's plan for your life, yes. Is it part and parcel of the program of God? Yes. Will a child go through painful things growing up? All right, as you discipline a child, which means they can't get certain things on the other. Yes, but ultimately it works together for their good. He says, harden not your heart. This is the message of the Spirit. Do not close your heart away from God when these things begin to happen. This podcast is brought to you by the Covenant Nation. For more information, visit www.insightsforliving.org. Thank you and God bless.